One of the things in life that is um, really funny, it's funny but can be serious but can be pretty funny, and some of you are going to relate. Have you ever been in love? It's awkward, right? It's awkward, right? You know, one of the craziest things that happens when you're in love, well, you do crazy things. You do crazy things. You do things that you normally wouldn't do. I know, I'm not going to put anyone on the spot, but I will use real-life examples out of people in this room. I will not mention any names, but these are real-life examples. I know people that have flown overseas, relocated themselves for the sake of love. Should I look up? I know people that drove over an hour a day to go and meet someone because they were in love. I know people, they used to eat anything and everything, but because of the sake of love, now only eat three dishes Because the person that they love only eats three dishes. I'm not going to mention any names. I I won't say I was in love in high school because that's... I think in high school, you don't really know what love is. I used to love donuts in high school. So, you know, that's... One of the funniest things that I've done in my life... I was in year 10, 15 years old, right? Now, everyone pretend you're 15 and suddenly, you know, you just, your IQ decreases, you know. I was very interested in this one girl. And I used to have to catch the train to school from West Ride to North Sydney. And the fastest way is through Stratfield, the city, North Sydney, 40-minute train ride every day, Right? But because I was very interested in this one girl, she went to school up north in Pimble. And she lived north as well. And I just wanted to hang out with her more. So instead of waking up at 6.30 to get ready to go to school, catch a 40-minute train ride... I would wake up at 5.30. I would catch an extra 40-minute train ride on top of 40-minute train ride just to get on the same train as this girl. And it was like, oh, you get on this train? (laughs) Now that I think about it, it's a little bit creepy, I know, okay? The things that you do for love, right? And then the, the funniest part was we were only... She, her train trip was only 10 minutes, <laughs> right? Wow, the commitment that I made, right? Anyway, the things we do for love. The question that I want to ask is this. When you love someone, What's the best thing you can give to them? What's the best thing you can give to them?
And I'll give you the answer before we, I unpack it, and it's this. It's God. The best thing that you can give to someone you love is the best thing that you have in your life. And if that's God, then it's God. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 reads this, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now we've been in a series in prayer, and we define prayer as not just communicating to God, but being in communion with God. It's not just about speaking to Him, but it's about being with Him that fosters a deep relationship with Him. And we just finished studying the Lord's Prayer where Jesus teaches His disciples on how to pray. But one of the interesting things that comes out of the Lord's Prayer is that Jesus doesn't teach it from a singular perspective, but teaches us from a plural perspective, uses words like our and us, not mine and me. As much as prayer is an individual action, there is something important about the corporate or the community element of prayer. As I said, to pray for someone is one of the greatest ways you can love them. Think about what you're doing when you pray for someone, right? You're praying that God, the creator of the heavens and earth, would come and be involved in the person's life that you're praying for. Now, whether they're a Christian or not doesn't matter. Doesn't mean, you know, just because you're not a Christian or just because they're not a Christian doesn't mean that God is not interested. No, God is very interested. There are so many reasons to pray for someone else. Every reason that you have to pray for yourself is a reason to pray for someone else. So it's important for us to recognize that prayer is not just for me and my benefit, but can be of benefit for those you pray for, those you care for, those you love. So who should we pray for? And the Bible actually speaks about this, and I'm going to fly through this. There's eight groups of people that the Bible tells us we should pray for. I said, I'm going to fly through this, okay? Number one, we should pray for one another. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Just as we have needs, everyone else has needs too. And it's our responsibility, our joy and our care to be able to journey with that person in prayer. Why? Because we love them. Because we care about them. Number two, we pray for the sick. James 5, 14 and 15, before that. <clears throat> Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. The Bible is very clear that we are called to pray for those that are sick. Why? Because we invite God to heal. There is, there is something that we need to understand is that sadly we live in a world where we do not have the answers to every sickness and illness. Like, I can't remember when I was saying this, but 
We are the most medically advanced society ever, and yet we still have illnesses where there is still no cure. So what's the answer to that? It's God. God is the great healer. And so when we pray for someone, what we're doing is we're inviting God to heal. The third group of people is our church leaders. Ephesians 6, 19 to 20. Pray also with me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fiercely as I should. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church, pray for me. Pray for me because what I'm about to do is it's not easy. Our church leaders and pastors need prayer as much as anyone else does. Not just because it's what we do, but it's because we're people too. Our spiritual leaders of the church, as spiritual leaders of the church, we hold a fair part of responsibility and influence. And so automatically, we have extra targets on our back from the enemy. I promise you, if the enemy wants to split and divide the church, he's going to go for the leader. Once the head is cut off, then the body will just follow. I, 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 I cannot stress this more and more. I need your prayers. Our pastors need your prayers. Our board, our staff, our, we all need your prayers. You think you have problems, right, that you need to pray about. I have problems too. I have so many problems, right? I didn't even need the enemy to attack me more. I just got more problems, right? Just a reminder, right, if you're new to the church, I have five kids, end of story. Like, I don't need to explain this any further, right? You know, this morning I overheard, you know, these two mums talking about, oh, my kids, oh, my kids. And I was like, wait, you have two kids and then you have two kids and you combine them, you're still less than me. You know, like, you know. Not to take away that it's hard with two kids. Let me play my little violin for you. Okay. <laughs> but your prayers for our leaders really make a difference. And, and to be a little bit more specific, especially around our families. If you want to take out a pastor, if you want to take out a leader, you take out their kids, you take out their families, and then it's pretty tough. So please pray for church leaders. The fourth group of leaders we pray for is our political leaders. 1 Timothy 2, 1-3, I urge then first of all that prayers, uh, sorry, petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving made for, may, uh, be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in the godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Not just our spiritual leaders, but the Bible teaches us we need to pray for our worldly leaders. Now, do they know God? We don't know that. Do they care about God? We don't know that. Do we care about them? We don't know that. Right? But the Bible teaches us, and for no other reason, if, if it's like, well, the Bible teaches us to pray for our political leaders, it's enough reason for us to pray for our political leaders. If you think about it, you know, we pray that God will give them wisdom, strength, clarity, integrity, patience. Now, whether we agree with them in terms of our political view, whether we agree with them in terms of what they're actually doing in their, uh, in their life and in their authority, uh, you've got to understand that at the end of the day, no leadership in this world happens without the permission of God. 
Now, we all think, oh, you know, no, they were voted by the people and it's the evil of the people. That No, no, no. Nothing happens in this world without the permission of God. No leader in this world is in his or her position without the permission of God. Now, they may be an evil leader. If you read the Old Testament, you read Kings, right? There are so many evil kings that were there not because God was not in control, but because God allowed Our prime minister is only there because God allowed. Why do we need to pray? We need to pray for them because we need that person to make good decisions for our country, for our people. Now, whether you like them or not, whether you agree with them or not, that's irrelevant. The Bible doesn't say pray for those that you like. Pray for those that have the same political view as you. No, it says pray for your political leaders regardless. So we need to pray for them. Number five, probably the most popular one, we need to pray for your enemies. Matthew 5, 43 to 44. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may (laughs) be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Can I tell you this is probably the most challenging one? but probably one of the most important ones. Jesus commands, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then he goes on to tell you why. Because we are children of God. Because who we are, our identity, is that we are the children of God. We represent God and ultimately It's what God did. He loved his enemies and he prayed for those that persecuted him. There are two things that happen when you you can pray for your enemies. Firstly, it releases you from bitterness and unforgiveness. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about unforgiveness being the poison that you drink hoping that the other person dies. When you pray... For someone that hates you, persecutes you, is an enemy to you, what happens is you free yourself. You become free from that poison. Now, and I tell you, sometimes, right, you can't do that for yourself. We're we, we all limited people, right? And, and, I, and I take this really seriously. When, when we talk about enemies, like everyone's got different lines and, and, and you know, shades of enemies, you know, sometimes, you know, my greatest enemy is my wife, right? And that's like, ooh, can't believe he said that. That's right, I said that. I'm sorry, hon. Um, you know, she's not here? Oh, that's great. <laughs> Just jokes, jokes. Don't tell her, right? But for some people, the people that you have been persecuted by, the trauma that you have gone through, you, you on, in your own strength, you actually may not be able to forgive them. I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that for some people, it's just been so tough, it's so bad, that in your own strength, you cannot release them. But here's the thing. When we pray, It invites God, the supernatural, to come and do a supernatural work. 
That's what, might, that's what it takes. When you can't do it on your own. When we invite God, and that's what we do, He can help us. So firstly, it releases us from bitterness and unforgiveness. But secondly, when we pray for our enemies, we submit them to God. See, when we pray for our enemies and when we forgive them, doesn't mean, doesn't mean that there's no judgment. doesn't mean that if they did wrong, that, that they're completely forgiven by that. When you pray for your enemy and you submit that enemy to God, what you're, ultimately, what, what you're doing is you're saying, actually, God, you're the judge. I'm not going to judge. I'm going to submit them to you. And God, in your perfect judgment, you work it out. You work it out. It's our way of saying, God, God, you're in control. And you do what you need to do with them. But I'm going to release them. I'm going to submit and release them to you. Whether they're right or wrong, I'm going to release them. That's why we pray for our enemies. <coughs> Number six, uh, we pray for Israel. All right, let me read Romans 10.1. Brothers and sisters, my, heart and desire, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for, uh, for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Now, this is an odd one. Right, Because it's not like any other nation is mentioned. Any other nation is mentioned to, to, for prayer, but Israel is. Now, Israel in the Old Testament was the nation that God chose out of all the nations in the world. And God said, I'm going to make my people out of these people. So the Jewish people, or the Israelites, right? they're, they're the people of God in the Old Testament. And everything that's promised to, um, to, to them in the Old Testament is, is stands. Uh, God has made very clear that he has a special heart for the nation of Israel. Now, what's very sad is that Jesus has come and he has been the answer to the prayers, the Messiah that was promised to the Jewish people, but the Jewish people missed him. And actually, they still await, they still await the Messiah to come. We pray for them as individuals. Uh, actually, my, my, one of my sons got invited to uh, his friend, who's, who's a little Jewish kid, a Jewish boy, to his bar mitzvah, which is a, a very important ceremonial. And I was like, man. And I asked my son, I said, hey, do you want to go? And he goes, yeah, why wouldn't I go? He's, he's my friend. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. I would love to go. I've never been invited to a bar mitzvah. I heard it's like one of the greatest parties ever, right? If you're, uh, this is weird. If you're a 13 year old boy and would like to invite me to Natchez, <laughs> this is how we love and pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters. Because God asks us to do that. We pray that as a nation, that their eyes would be open to what God has given to the world and then for them to surrender to Jesus, their Lord and Savior. Seven, we pray for our unbelievers, Ezekiel eleven nineteen. I give, I will give them an undivided heart, and put a new spirit in them. I'll remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Can I tell you the first step of any type of evangelism is prayer? Why? Because it doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter how intellectual you are, it doesn't matter how persuasive you are. Doesn't matter if you have a marketing degree, you cannot change a person's heart. You cannot convince someone into heaven. 
You cannot argue against someone that they would be saved by Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can. Only God can. Now, just because we pray for our unbelieving friends, family, neighbor, it doesn't mean we sit back, we just pray and go, God, you, you got this, you work it out. No, we, we're still called to actively love and engage with our unbelieving friends and family, but we recognize what is God's work and what is our work. And so we pray that God will remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. So we pray for our unbelievers. Finally, we pray for everyone. 1 Timothy 2.1, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Now, I know this one sounds funny, but it's really the truth. There's no one that we couldn't pray for. There isn't anyone that is like, oh, no, you can't pray for them. You don't have to pray for them. Pray for your neighbor. You pray for your friend. You can pray for your friend's neighbor, their son, the son's teacher, the teacher's pet, the pet's doctor, the doctor's wife, that happens to be your neighbor. Right? Anyone in your life, you can pray for them. And if you're like, well, what do I pray for? Well, the simplest prayer is that they would know God. Friends, it's so important for us to understand that the Bible, right? This is not just me going, hey, guys, you need to pray for people. No, the Bible tells us that we are called to pray for not just our own needs, but for the needs of others around us. And as we journey in our lives, everyone we meet is an opportunity to pray for them. So, three practical ways to pray for others. Okay, this is a very practical sermon today. Number one, always be ready to pray. Can I tell you, prayer is not just something that you do, but it is an attitude of prayerfulness. It's not a chore, but if we have the mindset to be prayerful, then when, when, whenever uh, something comes up or whenever someone turns up, we're ready to pray. It's human nature. I was talking to a friend of mine. And he tells me that all he sees these days is cars. Cars, how much cars are worth, you know, the latest car, the, when's the newest car coming out. Why? Because he's looking to buy a new car, right? It's human nature that whatever is, whatever is filling our hearts and our minds, funny enough, that's all we see. You ever gone to a food court when you're hungry? You don't see people. <laughs> you, you don't see anything but the food, right? Can I tell you, when we have the mindfulness of prayer, the attitude of prayer, then that's all you'll see. People you can pray for. You'll see a message pop up on your phone. Bang! Someone to pray for. You'll, you'll walk across the street and you'll see someone and they'll catch your eye. Bang! Someone that I can pray for. When we have the attitude and the readiness to pray, then whoever comes by, we're ready to pray for them. I would love to tell you I have this attitude all the time. I would be completely a liar. But there are moments... There are moments where I just feel like God's like, hey, you need to pray today. 
And my prayer is, okay, God, who? Right? Who? And I've just got my eyes open. I've got my spiritual eyes open. And, and literally, it's like I could be just flicking through my phone and someone's name just pops up. Bang. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, hey, I'm like, hey, I, I want to pray for you. You know, like, please tell me your prayer points. Like, yeah, that's great if, you, if it's convenient. But you know what? You don't even need that. You can just pray for them. But it's having the heart, readiness to pray. Uh, secondly, it's to have a schedule. Now, this seems a little bit opposite to the first one, right? Because the first one seems very fluid, very like, you know, as it comes, right? But actually, another great way to pray for others is to have a schedule. Now, if this is too difficult for you, right? Uh, there are so many apps on phones these days that actually do this for you. And you can just pop in a name. You know, it could be as simple as, you know, on Monday, I'm going to pray for my family. On Tuesday, I'm going to pray for my friends. Wednesday, I'm going to pray for people in my work. Thursday, I'm going to pray for the church. Friday, I'm going to pray for non-believing neighbors. Can I tell you, if it's important, you schedule it. All right, just basic logic, right? If something's important to you, it's in your schedule. If you've got a doctor's appointment, if it's important to you, or if you think it's important to you, then it's in your schedule. If you're meeting up with someone for a coffee, if you think that's important, then, it, then you're going to schedule it. If at 15 I had, a, I had an iPhone and I had the calendar app, I would have scheduled wake up 5.30 in the morning to travel 45 minutes the opposite direction to go spend 10 minutes with a girl who ultimately didn't go out with me. But anyway, just, you know. Right? If it's important, you schedule it. Right? If people are important and you want to pray for them, then you can schedule it. Thirdly, practical way, come to church. You know, when we come together as believers, we, you know we're going to pray. You know it's just something that we do. 10 o'clock, every Sunday morning, we get together and we pray. We pray for the church, we pray for the ministries, we pray for the people. Once a month on our Friday monthly prayer meeting, we get together and we pray. At our life groups, when you get together, you pray. When believers gather, one of the things we do is we pray. And we pray for each other and we pray for those around us. So one of the most practical ways is come to church. Come to prayer meeting. Go to life group. Gather. Come to gatherings so we can pray. Today's message is probably one of the most simplest ones. And yet one of the most practical ones that we can learn about prayer. But can I tell you, there's no point in me telling you all of this. About what God is saying through scripture if you don't put it into practice. Can I tell you, friends, you don't have to look far to find someone that has a need, that needs prayer. Now, how I pray for our church community is I have a list. I have a list of everyone's name in our community. And just, I, it's just systematic. All right? I'm just praying every day for two, three people. If I'm meeting someone, I'm going to pray for them. If I've got a meeting with a group of people, then I'm going to pray for them. 
If someone messages me, hey, can you pray for this person? I'm going to pray for them. So one of the privileges but also burdens that I have as a pastor of this church is I know more about what's happening in your lives than most people do. And I can tell you here and now, we really need to pray for each other. There are people in this room, there are people that are joining us online that really need your prayer. And you might be like, well, I'm good, my life is good, that's great. And you might be blessed to be going through a season where you don't need that support, and that's fine. But you know, one day you will. And you're going to want the people around you to be praying for you. Last night, I was just thinking about this, just thinking about just our church people. And even just this week, just meeting different people out of our community, talking to different people, hearing about different people. There's a lot going on. There are things that are out of our control. There's people that are sick. There are people that are hurting. There are people that are feeling isolated. There are people that are going through financial trouble. There are are people that are concerned about their future. There are people that have things coming up in the next few weeks that, that scare them. What is the best way we can love them? What is the best way we can love our community? Yes, give them a hug. Yes, you know, send them encouraging messages. But the greatest way we can love is to invite God, the creator and controller of our universe, and ask God on behalf of them, God, can you help them? God, can you be with them? God, can you walk with them? Because I'm limited in what I can do. So that's what happens when we pray. We pray on behalf of that person, asking God to come and be a part of their life. There is nothing that is more important. There is nothing that is more life-transforming than the power of God in our lives. So we're going to do three things to finish today very practically. Um, The ushers might need to help with this, and I don't even know where the ushers are. But you have prayer cards in front of you, as we do every week. Now, most of the time I go, hey, you know, if you have a prayer point, you know, feel free to write it down. There's pens on that back wall, if we could just spread them out. Today, I'm not asking you, I'm not giving you an option. Compulsory. I want you to write down two names of people that you're, you're saying, I'm going to pray for them this week. Two names. Right? You don't have to write your name. That's okay. Right? This is not an exercise for me. It's an exercise for you. Right? On that piece of paper, I just want you to write two names of people that come to mind. And you are going to say, I'm going to pray for those two people this week. As said, there's no point listening to a sermon like this if you actually aren't going to do anything. All right, just take a moment. I'll give you 30 seconds to think about it. Who are two people that I can pray for? 
You, know, you can pray for your family, your friends, your work colleague. You can pray for a non-believer, a believer. You can pray for a boy, a girl. You can pray for a kid, an adult. It doesn't matter. But just two names on that piece of paper. And then later when you come and you give your offering, I want you to put that in the, the offering basket. And we're going to pray for those names as well. Secondly, sorry, I didn't give you 30 seconds. I did say 30 seconds. <laughs> okay. Secondly, this is a future action that you have to commit to is sometime today, I want you to, okay, maybe you don't have to do it today, but sometime this week, right? I want you to commit to messaging or calling that person and saying, hey, I uh, just want you to know I prayed for you this week. If you're socially awkward, just message. All right? I saw some faces... Like message them, call them, you're like, (gasps) (laughs) can I tell you how encouraging it is? It can change a whole day, it can change a whole week when someone says to you, hey, I, I prayed for you this week, I'm praying for you. To be known and to know that, that God Almighty is involved in their life, whether they're a believer or not, doesn't matter. I've had so many non-believers appreciate, you know, when I pray for them. They actually come and ask me, hey, can you pray for this? And I'm like, you know that you don't believe in the God that I'm praying to, right? They're like, I know, but you believe. And I'm like, okay, that's good enough. <laughs> Message them, call them this week. What a great opportunity. Maybe it's someone, maybe, and this is why I got you to write the name down first. Maybe you wrote down a name of someone you haven't talked to in five years. Call them. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Long time. What's going on? Yeah, this is going to sound weird, but I've got this really weird pastor in my church and he asked me to call you. <laughs> Let me know how that goes. I'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty, pretty cool. Name, two names on the card, message or contact them sometime this week. And finally, just so that I make sure that it happens, right? You, need, you really need to promise that you're going to pray for them this week, okay? Now, to finish today, we're going to actually spend a, time, a little bit of time in prayer. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we all have things to pray for. Right? We all have things that are going on in our lives. But actually today, along with what's going on, with um, what God is saying to us, we're actually going to say a little bit uncomfortable. We're actually going to pray for the person next to us. And you might be like, that is so awkward. I don't even know what their name is. And I'm telling you, that's why we have Name Tag Sunday today. <laughs> Your prayer... And let me finish with this. Don't underestimate what prayer is. For you to pray for the person next to you right now, that can ultimately alter and change their life. 
Because prayer can. That's all we believe prayer is. All right? It's not just some religious words. It's not just some, something that we just do on a Sunday. We really believe that when we invite God the supernatural into our lives and into the lives of people around us, things change. Heart of stone becomes a heart of flesh. Healing happens, not because of you, but because of God. So, we're going to pray for the person next to us. Now, I'm going to ask the team to come up.